Welcome to SVCC Weekly, a weekly podcast from Sangamon Valley Christian Center in Muhammad, Illinois. We hope you enjoy this message from our church, and be sure to check us out online at www.sangamonvalley.net. Will you go ahead with me today uh, and open up in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians? We're going to continue in our series. Last week we went through chapters 1 and 2, this week we'll go through chapters 3 and 4, not sure exactly what we'll do uh, next week, uh, but at least read chapter 5 if you want to read ahead, chapters 5 and 6 if you want to make sure, uh, just in case I decide to do two chapters again next week, but at least do chapter 5. As we're in this series, keep in mind as we're going through uh, the, the options here of uh, a choice to live by, kind of what we talked about last week, uh, a choice to live by. And sorry, Chris, I think I told you those are the ones for this week, and there are uh, different ones in there in the week two folder. Yes, there we go. Um, but a choice to live by is what we did uh, last week where we looked at the wisdom of the world. Chapters 1 and 2, looked, Paul brought that up, the wisdom of the world. You'll continue to kind of see that compared throughout this, the wisdom of the world, along with the wisdom of God, which part of that is really the power of God and the cross of Christ. And so Paul here, as he is writing, is writing in a very confrontational way. In fact, uh, you may pick up on, as I'm going to read through here, chapters 3 and 4, uh, even some of the sarcasm that that Paul is using with the church. Paul is challenging their view on what it means to be spiritual people. Uh, they had an incorrect view on that. Paul's concern is that the church here in Corinth would be built up. And so today, uh, we're going to start off by reading chapters 3 uh, and 4 together. And so if you want to open your Bibles, turn on your phone, open a Bible app, and follow along with us. Verse 1 says, and we covered part of this last week, but let me read it again. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are, are you not carnal and behaving like mere Men. For when one says, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Those are two different leaders in the church. Paul, who founded them, Apollos, another leader in the church. And the church has come and aligned with different leaders and thinking one's better than another. Verse 5 Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I would underline that in your Bible. That's an important uh, thing to remember. God gives the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. 
But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So remember verse 16 may want to kind of highlight that that verse as well. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? Important thing for us as believers. Important thing as we look at what does it mean to truly be a spiritual people? We are the temple of God. Now down to verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Let a man, now into chapter 4, if you've lost your place, we all know that's possible, don't we? Chapter 4, verse 1, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Again, those mysteries have been revealed. We talked about that last week. They're, they're just now coming and caring for those taking care of the mysteries that God has revealed to them. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. And each one's praise will come from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did not indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. Here's the sarcasm in case you're missing it, um, at least blatantly so. Circle that if you want. Uh, Maybe you'll win Jeopardy with it one day. Verse 8 there. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, 
as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. Again, sarcasm here. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scourging of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. Okay, it's kind of like right here, it's making me think when he says, okay, I'm going to come to you shortly. Kind of watch out. It's like a parent saying to a child, if you don't behave, I'm going to come in there. Just picture that as we conclude to the section, verse 19 again. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You do what you want, or what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? This morning as going to go through these chapters, chapters three and four, uh, we're going to be looking at building a life that matters. Paul in here is kind of laying out, this is the real life that matters. They thought being rich, they thought having everything is what mattered, and yet he's coming and he's correcting that. He's saying, look at the apostles. We don't have much. You, you, you think you're wiser than the apostles? We're the last. The world comes and looks at us as if we are nothing. They make a spectacle of us. And yet the Corinthians thought that they had everything. And so Paul is really laying out here in chapters 3 and 4, okay, what, what does it mean? So today, do you ever wonder, does my life matter? Do you want your life to matter? A life that matters is not according to the wisdom of the world, part of what we looked at last week, but according to the power and the wisdom of God. Paul in this section reveals some of the important keys to living that life that matters. And so I'm going to give you six of them today. He doesn't clearly lay these out as one, two, three, four, five, six. And so you could look at this and come up with seven if you want. You could probably shorten them down to five. Whatever is easy for you. But for me, it was easy to look at them as six different items. The first is this. A life that matters means growing up. The second one we'll look at is a life that matters must be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And a life that matters will pass the test. But first, a life that matters means growing up. In verse 6 of chapter 3, he talks about, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. Part of what we know in the story of Jesus is Jesus goes into the temple at age 12. He goes with his parents. That's kind of when he was looked to in their culture to be a man. 
His parents lose him. Then they, they come back, they find him. His mother's like, where were you? And he responds in a way that many of you would not appreciate if your child said it, but it's the son of God. So you got to look at it as a brilliant and yet compassionate statement all at the same time. And he said, I must, really says, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And then it goes on there in Luke 2 and verse 52, and it says, and Jesus, really, as they go out, increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So even the son of God, there's something about an increasing that happened as, as physical stature grew, as relationally he really grew with other people around him. There shouldn't be anything different for us in the church. A life that matters is a life that increases. And really what's important is not the physical stature, but really the growth that comes from God, from the Lord. It, it's, it's beyond a matter of really just being saved. Our salvation is really secure in Christ. You can reject the spirit of, of grace, according to Hebrews, but that is a long process. We're not talking about that. We're, we're coming and talking about a life that matters is a life growing up in God. That's why number two here is a life that matters must be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Some people come and just, there's a foundation there, they don't build upon it. They don't, they don't build at all. Yet Paul in verse 10 says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. So Paul's saying, look, this was given to me. Now I, I'm laying that foundation. He goes on and says, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. He's coming and he's saying, look, I, I, I've shared Christ with you. Now others are coming, other teachers, but them themselves are ultimately responsible for what's being built upon it. Paul, as the founder of the church, knows that the foundation he gave to the church at Corinth was, in fact, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ that is to remain the focal point. Not wisdom of the world, not riches of the world, not these other things of the world. But the cross of Christ is to remain the focal point. That's why number three, a life that matters will pass the test and the trial and really receive a reward. In 1 Corinthians 3.13 it says this, Each one's work will become manifest for the day. They're the day, and you can circle that if you have a paper Bible with you or highlight that word. It's really referring to what we would call the day of the Lord. And you can study that. There's a few different takes on that, but basically there's a day that has already come in part that will fully come, and in it, God is going to judge. There's going to be a separation that's going to happen from those that know the Lord, from those that don't. But all of this is going to happen in what Scripture often refers to as the day of of the Lord. And so sometimes it's just shortened to the day. The, the Jews, even the, the, the Greeks, the Gentiles were familiar with this concept. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. There's a fire that's coming that's not going to just destroy your life. The foundation is going to remain. It's what are you building on top of that foundation of Jesus Christ? Is God coming and bringing the increase? Are you coming and living your life in such a way that God, when he returns and he comes with a fire that your building is going to remain? Not a matter of are you saved or not. That's not what we're talking about. The foundation is there. This is really referring to what have you done with your life once you know who Jesus is is. 
the foundation will stand, but what we build on top of it may not withstand the fire. In verse 12, if you jump up a verse, it, it lists several items there that really can withstand fire. Gold, silver, precious stones. All right, you come with the fire, you light those on fire. Now, eventually gold is going to melt, yes. But if it comes and there's a fire, that's not going to be the first thing that goes. What's going to be the thing that really goes? The next few items that are mentioned, wood, hay, and straw. I can imagine straw is going to go probably the quickest. Hay, straw, the wood would catch as well. So it's really telling us that it is possible to build with the right materials your life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ or the wrong materials. Life that matters comes and builds with the right materials. Allowing God to really be the one that does the building if he's bringing the increase. So that brings us to the next set of three things of a life that matters. Chris can go ahead and put those up. I'll read them to you, then we'll go through them a little bit. A life that matters lets God be the judge. A life that matters imitates the right people. A life that matters is lived in the power of God. So number four, a life that matters lets God be the judge. If you come down to 1 Corinthians 4 or 5, it says this, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time. What time is that? Well, it goes on, it says, Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purpose of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Here in Corinthians, part of the context of this and what we've been talking about is the Corinthians have been really passing judgment upon Paul because they don't think he is the, a good Christian teacher. He's not teaching them the, the way they want him to. And so they've kind of let him have it. They prefer other people. They don't like him. And they are really passing judgment upon him. And so Paul is telling them, it's not up to you to judge how he is doing as an apostle. It's not up to that church to judge. There, there, there are things that they, they can't even see. There's things they won't see until that day when the Lord comes back. So why part of building a life that matters means you let God be the judge. But let me also say it with this, and we're not there yet. Next week we'll, we'll touch on this. But Paul in the next chapter actually pronounces judgment on somebody. And so when we say don't, a life that matters does lets God be the judge, and we often say don't judge, and that's important, and Scripture says that a lot. But there's also elements that we have to understand, and this is where the world, when they come and just kind of get a little bit of what the church has to offer, then they try to filter it through the wisdom of the world. It doesn't work. Because then they come and they turn it around against the church and they say, well, God says don't judge. Why are you judging me? Well, oftentimes if we read further into it, there are moments where there is a judging that happens. And I'll tell you this, I'll give you a little brief synopsis, which we'll talk about next week. Chapter five, part of what Paul does there when he is actually judging is he's coming and saying, Kick that person out of the church because what you have allowed and what you are allowing is going to harm all of you. And so he says, get them out. You're allowing something that you're saying is right in the eyes of God and it's not. And so we, we have to come to those moments from time to time. And really it's what none of us like and it's something the Western church here in the U.S. does not do well and it's what we call church discipline. We're, we're just, let's be honest, bad at that, in part because back in Paul's writing, when he said, kick them out of the church, it was the only church in town. They couldn't go anywhere else. 
Nowadays, you do church discipline, they just go down the street to another church. Then they get mad there and they go down the street to another church. They'll get kicked out when they go around to this church. It's a little different today, but I want to add that on there because I think we as a church, when I make comments like that, then sometimes, especially those that are of the millennial or the Generation Z, then get very offended when the church stands on God's word and the truth. Part of it comes down to how do we do this? And, and, and we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more. But we also have to understand first what Paul is saying. And the first command is, okay, don't, don't judge. So don't go around and be looking at people and, and just condemning them to hell, condemning them, oh, this doesn't work, because there are things you don't see. That's really what he's getting at, at here when he's talking about judging in this context. There are things you don't see. There are things you don't understand. We all have to realize that when we look at the life of another. Number five, a life that matters imitates the right people. A life that matters imitates the right people. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 says it so clearly. Paul says to them, I urge you then, be imitators of me. So we'd ask this question, who do you imitate? Who do you want to look like? Who do you want to behave like? A celebrity Somebody with a big mouth? Those aren't necessarily the character qualities, not that you can't have celebrities that love Jesus. Those are some, there are qualities sometimes that we associate with celebrities that aren't fitting of a Christian life. Sometimes there are people that have a big mouth and that's who we want to imitate and yet we read through scripture and it says be humble. Doesn't mean you don't talk. But there's, there's some things there we have to consider. Who do you want to imitate? We all probably have those people in our lives. Now, we also understand Paul's writing this, and sometimes we think, oh, Paul, he's like Jesus. He was perfect. No, Paul doesn't say he's perfect. But he is still someone to imitate. You can still be someone to imitate even though you're not perfect. There are still people out there that you imitate that you have to realize are not perfect. The second you start acting like they are, you're equating them to the son of God, and they're not. So when we talk about imitating the right people, yes, there are things we need to look at, but we also have to understand that all humanity is flawed. And even in the church, we're still to become like Christ. We're still all to be growing up, so none of us are perfect. And yet there are still people that we can imitate. Part of what I think Paul's getting at here too is what systems do we imitate? But what systems does the church look at to want to copy? For example, here in the Western church in the USA, what what is our, our form of government in the United States of America? We're a democracy, right? But we're not just a democracy. We're a democratic republic, right? That, that, that's an important distinction. But I'll, just to focus on the democracy side, because that's how most of us think, we often get into the, into the church and we think majority should rule right? If you think, you think through your mindset, think through when we come to do something like majority should rule. We get, we, we get that mindset from time to time. Is that a biblical mindset? Is that a biblical mindset? Not necessarily. Now, I, I'm not taking this as a stance against because we're a Democratic Republic as the United States. That's unbiblical. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we're imitating a system that, yes, God, I believe, influenced, a system that helped form our nation that, that God spoke into, 
but then we want to come and we want to apply that system because that's what we live in into the church or into the family or into other things. And that's, that's not always what God intended. What, we have to consider what systems we imitate too. What systems? Number six, a life that matters is lived in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Or as the ESV says it, for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Remember the wisdom of the world, part of the wisdom of the world is they wanted Paul to have this eloquence of speech. She was really good at, she should be really good at talking. And so here he highlights again, for the kingdom of God is not consistent talk. Doesn't mean we don't proclaim the gospel. We're called to do that. But that's not just talk. With that, there is authority and power. Really, the power of the kingdom backs up the authority we have as the people of God. And I would say this, to grow up, we need the power of God working in our lives. To build that life that matters, we need the power of God working in our lives, every single one of us. So I'm going to ask worship team if they'll come forward now. I ask the rest of you if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe there's some here that have not put their hope, their trust in Jesus. They haven't said, Jesus, you are the foundation to my life. I want you to be the focal point of everything. And if you haven't really made that decision, if you haven't said yes to Jesus and what he did dying at the cross for you, then just take a moment and all it takes is to say yes. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you and what you've done for me. Say, yes, Jesus, I want to live for you. I hope all in this place have made that decision. If you have made that decision, I think all of us probably can, can join in saying we want to live a life that matters. A life that matters not according to what the world says matters, but a life that matters according to what God's word has said. If you agree with that, will you just say that out of your mouth? Say, God, I want to live a life that matters according to your word. Thank you, God, that we can come and gather as your people. We can come and comfort one another this morning. We can come and give a word that's more than just talk, but is an encouragement and filled with full backing of the authority and power we have as the people of God. Lord, thank you that you are here in this place. As we now draw towards the conclusion of our time together, where we ask for you to show yourself to make yourself real like never before. Where you say your kingdom is not just talk, but it is about your power. So show us your power today, I pray. 
Lord, let us see lives that are changed by your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to SBCC Weekly. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as well as give us a like. You can visit us again online at www.sangamonvalley.net.